Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Offsite podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos Cavallo. And I'm Jason Lancini. So today, I recently read through, Jason, one of your posts on LinkedIn, which are doing quite well at the moment, I have to admit. And I think as we're a tech-focused pod, we've gone quite heavy into planning recently. So I thought, let's actually focus on technology. And one of your posts was kind of focused on giving some context to uh, what you describe as a fragmented construction tech sort of landscape. So I think that's something we can dig into. Um, and I guess to frame it, let's have a think about what contractors actually think they want in terms of technology for those organizations. And I guess if we go back five years ago, most contractors, I'd probably say without hesitation, wanted that sort of one-stop shop, a suite of tools from a big player like Autodesk. If you think about why, it's probably it's one purchase, it's quite simple, and it sort of ticks lots of boxes, and it's like the easy thing to do. And I think now there is a bit of a shift towards contractors wanting like best-in-class products and are willing to move away from these big suites. It's not exactly easy to do that, but there is that sort of willingness. How are you feeling about that, I like, I guess, from the context of the Australian market? Well, I guess, do you, would you, thank you for referencing or reading my, uh, one of my posts that's, that's, that's one person that did that's good yeah someone has to exactly um <laughs> be helpful if you'd like like it or make a comment i think that does something to the linkedin <laughs> algorithm uh but um no the i get do would you agree that like it is fragmented i do not envy being in certain positions within a contractor where you've got like countless vendors trying to convince them that they solve all their problems yeah a lot of them don't solve problems. A lot of them can't communicate actually the problem they solve very well. It's like throwing spaghetti and seeing what sticks from a vendor yep. point of view. Um, yep. And how you actually wade through that and make a decent decision. And obviously a decision isn't like a yes, no, it's uh, pilots and processes and validating like with teams that things work and gives them what they need. It's like, it's a shit show really um, that you have to deal with. Yeah. And I think like, depending on who you're talking to at a contractor, the, like what the industry wants is a totally different, you get different answers for different people. Like you talk to a, you know, if you talk to a senior executive or you listen to them, we went into an event last year where a bunch of them were talking on stage where they like, we want one thing to solve all the things that we need to do. We don't want to have to buy from a million different people. But I think a lot of that is like the result of a million different software vendors shouting at them to say this, 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 or people within the business being like, we need this thing, then we need this thing. And, but I think if you talk to like someone on a project, they want something that makes their life easier. That's like, let's say best in class for the thing that they need to do. And so I think what people really want is like what we have and the way that we as like a software company choose the tools that we use. It's all about context. So like in certain circumstances, we've built or bought whole suite of tools. And in other case, we have best in class. And when I'm doing something, I want to have the information that helps me do that thing from those other tools available wherever I am. It's like an example in construction would be, let's say I'm updating my, let's go back to just planning because it's what's in my head but like you say you're updating your plan for the week as an engineer 
well, obviously you want to know how much of a certain gravel or quantity of something was installed in the last week. You know, that doesn't have to come from the same system, but it has to be available in that system. And I think the sort of heuristic to, to think about what you need is like, imagine you were updating your spreadsheet for your plan. What other spreadsheets or emails do you have to open to do that thing? And it's just that information. You want that information to be available at the place that you're doing that job. And you could apply that to any, I guess, process that you might be uh, doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I guess we, like in the context of our, the, the, the web of apps that we use, a lot of those are like almost single click type integrations, which obviously makes things a lot easier. Like there's that call set of apps that just hooks into everything. And that, um, we haven't really seen that in construction though. I think that's yeah, yeah. We're, like we're miles away from in like a maturity level. We're miles away from like making it easy to set up, but you know, you might be updating some sales flow and you need to know like the latest email correspondence or the latest session that one of the customer success team might've had. And so it's like, they're doing it in another app or another platform or whatever. Yeah. And it's about like understanding the workflows that people are doing, what context they need and where the information lives within the business and making that available from here in there. And that can be through yeah. one app that does everything. But if you look at other industries, it often requires some suite of tools that are a combination of maybe one big thing that's at the heart of everything, which might you might class as like a construction management platform or something, and then a set of best-in-class yeah. tools that that integrate with that. Yeah, touching back to like the contractor and I guess the process of picking and purchasing tools, you've also got obviously the completely different interests from projects and execs. And it's usually the execs making the big calls on like large purchases of software and then pushing it down on teams who are actually saying, this isn't what we need. It doesn't work for us. And it's really difficult. Like you can pilot software really well, but it's still hard to get that message like that, the real message back up the tree as to what works, what doesn't work and what should be taken into consideration. So there's a big sort of difference in drivers in terms of what execs want to achieve and yeah, and it's it's construction's really construction's really unique in this context because it almost becomes like um it's almost like a franchise. You've got the sort of I think I've said this before, you've got this like head office and there's a bunch of projects. And in a lot of companies they're like vertically integrated or somewhat integrated where if you make some change, it's automatically changing for everyone. But in construction you are like you are essentially collections of lots of little businesses almost. And the head office isn't the like driver often. They're like providing a service to the projects. The projects are where the money's made. And so making change from a top down perspective in tools is it's, it's part of the reason I believe that like construction ranks so low on the like digital adoption charts that everyone sends out on LinkedIn, you probably, given you have seen a lot of my posts on LinkedIn, Carlos, you've probably seen a lot of other, there's always these charts showing like construction's at least, you know, digitized industry. And part of it is like, if you are trying to make a change in the business from like a central perspective, you've got projects that are halfway through, you've got projects that are really behind, they're in dispute, you've got projects that are just starting up, but they're not quite like all the other projects. There's so many different 
like stakeholders and context, it's very hard, like you said, to make the change from like a, a top down approach for sure. For sure. If we pivot slightly and think about the vendors, so we've got this mass collection of software vendors who are trying to pitch solutions to every problem in construction. Every vendor goes through a process. You have an idea. The idea either comes from experience or through, I don't know, research. You then sort of build an MVP, you test it with someone, you find out it wasn't work, you iterate forever until you get something that you think you could sell and scale. And you can make mistakes along the way, like having a narrow pool of maybe feedback. You focus on like the wrong type of customer or project. You, you, you believe your own ideas are better than everyone else's and you end up with a product that no one wants. Do you think, like how much is that driving the landscape that we have now? Do you think everyone goes, oh, look, it's so easy. There's so many products out there. I can do it better. Or do you think they are really all driven from like proper need and in industry? Because a lot of these apps, you go on their website and you can't even work out what it is until you actually see it. And you go, oh, that's this because the language is so like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, th I would say the like, if you were to take stock of where things are at at the moment in the industry, there is, there is a sort of grading of maturity of where vendors are. And like, that's not a revolutionary statement that's going to exist at all at any point in time but you've got uh you've got a lot of you've got a couple of big platforms that are still i guess trying to find their total place i, I don't know if i'm saying it the right way but like it feels like they're not they haven't got all the pieces that they want to fit into like this is what the construction management solution is they're like acquiring bits they're trying to stitch bits on to what they have there's a lot of shuffling of the deck of their offering quite a lot so there's like big platforms that, that have lo lots of customers but not as many as they want and probably some of those customers are only using a part of their product and they're trying to work out how to sell them these. there's like that world and then there's just like a ton of these like point solutions that really like overlap with each other like I don't know. I do. I do site diaries and dockets. This other thing does dockets and site diaries, and the other one does this thing. Like you know, like it's just they're all kind of like yeah. if you do a Venn diagram, they're just it's just a circle of all these things yeah. that are overlapping. What's tricky is because it's in that sort of messy phase. From a, like you said before, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of like the company, the contractor trying to wade through this mess because it's hard to really some of these tools, these point solutions are going to be leaders and, and, and sort of emerge and other ones are just like, you know, Bill used to do things this way on a project and he thought it was the best way to do it. And now, now there's an app that's like the way Bill does stuff. Yeah. Like the, the journey. <laughs> that's a deep cut. And so no, no, but yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're, you are trying to be a, a vendor that helps this industry, you have to start with a point solution, but you have to really start with a problem that you're going to solve. You need to understand that problem so deeply. You need to know how it fits in the, the, the circle of everything around it. Um, and you have to take a approach, an approach that, um, has like a fundamental, this is the way that we do stuff, but is kind of flexible and loose on the detail because you will overfit to one thing if you're not careful. And that's where you end up with, yeah, like Tom's planner, Tommy's planner, whatever. 
And, and the other thing that happens, sorry, just to like, now I'm like really going on a tangent, but the other thing that happens is that construction has this really unique power to like, okay, you've got a handful of customers for whatever point solution you've made and those customers like it. So you're, you, you know, you, you're on a, you're on a, you're on your way. And then if you listen to their feedback, what you'll hear a lot of is this, is you know, your point solution here is good. Could you solve this like adjacent problem for us? Uh, it's like so close to what you do. If you just added these five features, you would be doing this other thing for us. Well, if you don't like, uh, have a direction that you're heading, it can very easily to like get like this big product really early with not enough customers. And now suddenly you're not selling the like thing that, that someone would buy to solve X problem. You're, you're the orange, blue, green, yellow construction management yeah, platform. You're, di you're diluting your like core, like the core thing that you did well is suddenly this, you're, you're competing against suites and then you're yeah. going to lose that battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you have touched on it. So like there will be some emerging players There have to be. Like if we look at the UK in the last 10 years, there's like a whole bunch of startups that like rode the HS2 wave of all these innovation, like schemes that helps get exposure and contracts, things like that. So now it's going to be hard graft actually selling to real projects that don't have these big innovation budgets that everyone had on HS2. How do you actually see that playing out? Is it going to be whoever generates the most revenue wins? Is it going to be like truly contractors picking best products? Like what would you... If you saw a bunch of startups, how would you make your assessment on who you'd bet on? First of all, like the point that you were making at the start about how like these projects or these, these tools that had the, they managed to like get off the ground because there was like big project innovation budgets and then they can't like last beyond it is like funny because that says something about those innovation programs on those <laughs> projects, right? The goal should be to build something that, um, can like stand on its own two feet. Yeah. How the, is the question, how would I choose what to, yeah. Like, like if we actually play out there with someone emerge as leaders or front brothers or like major players in the space, how do you think that selection will occur? And like, what are the factors that really drive it? Because you could have some like tools that do very well, but actually aren't best in class, or do you think it will be the best in class that make it and like things will run its course because it's an industry that's quite incestuous and everyone talks like uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely like a mirror it's like it's a it's capitalism i think like the ones that do well will get more money with the money they can reinvest and build more things and then and like you're you're off uh, they can hire better marketing teams they can hire they can throw better parties for the uh construction industry they can hold conferences so like yeah like i think it will be the the, the thing that you measure on the thing that will determine which ones emerge is customers and therefore revenue and uh, for sure. And now let's look further at sort of, I don't know, 10 years time, all of these applications, how are they sitting together? Are the, the big players snapping up all of these apps? Is there a nice ecosystem of interconnected apps? What do you think it will look like in 10 years time? Well, yeah, this goes back, uh, I guess, a little bit to like the thing that you read at the start, like the post that I wrote, I, there's, there are these like phases. And if you look at, I've like, this isn't a framework that I've invented. This is something that exists in other <laughs> yeah. industries, but you, yeah, you get this start, this stage at the start where there's like 
apparently lots of opportunity to solve a million different problems. People start attacking those problems, you know, one by one by one with lots and lots of little companies, lots of overlap because each one tries to get, you know, slightly bigger and then they bump into each other. And, and at that point there for the vendor, it's for the, um, for the customer or the industry, it's really tricky. It's really tricky because there's so many people like shouting at you by me, by me, by me. There's no categories. And this is like one of the hardest things because, you know, if, if we were trying to start a, a software company, Carlos, we'd know we'd need a CRM. We know we'd need a, like an, a marketing automation plan. Well, you'd need, you'd know these set of tools that you would sort of, or categories of things that you would need and different products fit within those categories or branch across them. At the start of the, the first phase isn't really defined categories. There's just lots of products trying to build categories. And that's really hard. There's no integration because there's no winners. So there's no, no one tiny little app is going to integrate with 400 other apps. Um, so you've just got this sort of disconnected mess of lots of products. Yeah. Everyone's um, trying to carve their own tiny little niche, but yeah, you yeah, can and just then, say, I'm going to build a project. So I need these five apps. Like, yeah. it's like you need nine and a half apps and you couldn't really name them at first because you don't know what the team are going to want. Um, yeah. Exactly. Really and, and like, and, but each, each yeah. of the vendors are trying to build the beachhead to like, okay, from there, can I progress because of that? Like the, the customers have got this hard battle of defining what they need, nothing integrates. So if they ever want anything to integrate, they have to sort of make it happen and stitch to stitch it together. Just jam everything into power BI is usually the solution. And then, um, the next phase, you know, maybe a couple of those start to get momentum and traction and then you start getting uh competitors to those pop in you know like you know let's say a category you know you start to define categories you have like a reality capture category and then you have a couple of competitors in the reality capture space and then from a vendor's perspective it's starting to be a bit easier because you can go we need this category of tool we need a reality capture tool you can present that to a board you can present an roi for it and then it's a selection of which of the tools are the best one for us. Yeah, because they, they try to go through procurement processes at the moment, but procurement processes for tech is normally a process they pull together because they need to demonstrate that they've gone to market and found the best products for them. The requirements that are set in the doc is based on the product that the person wants to be successful. And it's a bit sort of backwards done, right? Where you can't just say, we need X and like these, are the five shortlisted companies we go to because they were claiming they do different things. Um, so that's really difficult. Part of that is also because like construction projects and companies are really professional at purchasing super bespoke stuff all of the time, because that's how, that's literally the job of delivering projects. And yeah. so there's a, there's a super defined process. You know, we go to market, we get them to, you know, we write a scope of work, you know, we write a spec of what we get to need, then people quote, and then we do an evaluation. And so you try and force fit that in this sort of early phase, you have any, you know, you don't even have a category of the thing that you're going to buy. So you're just evaluating like, I don't know, like a, a ruler against a pencil, which one do we need? We, you know, like. So yeah, this second phase is starting. Well, markets are there like a ruler, then you obviously go for that. Yeah, okay. That's the category, <laughs> pencil rulers. Um, yeah. So, but that's what yeah. would win, weirdly. That's the thing that sometimes happens, which is a really yeah, interesting point, right? You get these software tools that say that they just do everything 
and they'll build yeah. it all on the fly for you. And it's just a like who wants a pencil ruler? Because well, first of all, the pencil ruler you can't mark the thing and measure, but that's what you're effectively are buying in a software perspective. So yeah, you get this sort of get some winners, you get some categories emerging. Okay, to um to if I'm not one of the winners or I'm in another category to sort of push myself forward to to progress, there is a strategy that I could start integrating with the ones that are starting to win. So there's a natural incentive to start building some integrations. And we're kind of there in some space. Like there are certain platforms which are clearly like Procore's like, I think there are hundreds of millions of revenue. Yeah. Fact check me on that. But like, yeah, there is a clear incentive if you're trying to build something for the construction industry, for example, to build an integration there. So that starts to make things clearer. Construction contractors have categories. They then have maybe some products that they already have, and they're looking for things that will, they can start to look for things that integrate with the things that they already have. So that's like a much better spot to be for the, the contractors and the, I guess the, the client. And then the next phase is sort of the, the, the bigger guys, because you asked about like what happens going forward. And what I guess you sometimes see in other industries is the big guys sort of sell their current offering to the sort of as many people as they could possibly sell them to. They want to keep growing at, you know, 40% a year, 50% a year, 60, whatever the number is. And they start yeah. to this problem of like, there's not enough people to sell our reality capture software to. So now we have to be reality capture and something else and something else and something else. And they start adding more products and they might start yeah. doing that by building it, but often they'll start buying the other things, leveraging their distribution to their existing customers, selling those products. And so you start getting this sort of amalgamation of products under one brand. An example for us, like for our CRM, this will be super deep. For people in construction might not know, yeah. but. We use a product called HubSpot, which is a competitor Salesforce, and that is a collection of lots of what would have previously been separate products. Um, so you get this amalgamation, and then if you go even further, and that's kind of maybe the spot that people are saying they want to be at now, where it's like one thing does everything. If you go even further than that, what happens is, because these things get so big, maybe, maybe the user experience doesn't quite like keep up you know, you're kind of jamming a lot of apps together. And so you can almost get this like stratification where someone comes along and goes, well, this part of this mega app platform thing, people don't really love. And so I'll make a competitor to that bit of it that has a better user experience that does something differently that, I don't know, integrates AI or whatever the thing it is. They start breaking out the big thing back into lots of small things. Um, you get it a yeah. lot like with Salesforce. So Salesforce doesn't have the greatest user experience. So people will build parts of like, you know, like I don't, I keep, well, I don't want to keep dropping tech software that no one's going to know, but like parts of Salesforce are now their own, yeah, their own apps to sort of yeah, yeah. break out and stratify that, that whole offering. So it goes like together and then splits again. Yeah. As long as it's not contractors trying to build the, uh. The apps that they want to replace within these suites. No, that's definitely bad. Back to stage. Let <laughs> me get back to that's, phase one. That's pencil ruler. Yeah, yeah. Tying back to, um, I, I actually lived through a conversation the other day where you sort of touched on um, software vendors saying, "Oh, we'll just like build features to suit any client need." And uh, I was talking to one customer. They use this app for like logistic management. So you just literally like 
draw a box and you can label that like cradage area and draw another box of materials. And um, there was one guy that really liked the software and he was like, yeah, we're going to like switch it with Apex planning. And so I said, well, that's not planning software. He went back to this vendor and said, oh yeah, but it's not planning software. And they said, oh, like what's missing? And he's like, he said a Gantt chart. And they went, oh yeah, we'll build you one of those. Like the logistics mapping file was the thing. And we just said, oh, we'll just build you a Gantt chart. And he was like, oh, this is a valid solution. And like got shot down immediately. But like the mindset of, oh yeah, we've got this core thing that works well. If a customer says something has a requirement, let's just build it and throw it on and not really think about what that means and how it changes your your entire angle. So, anyway. yeah, but it's like getting the uh, it's like getting the um, it's like another construction thing that can happen. Like you've got a vendor in place, you want to use them for all the problems that they can solve. So, like we used to get like an FRP subby and then get them to build our site cabins because we already have the contract in place. We can just tell them, you know, it's kind of like that thing. Like, you're <laughs> yeah, yeah. already doing this. Why don't you do this up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No need for competitive tender where you can, yeah. Yeah, I think we burned through some time there. So let's call it a day. Um, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening.